Hey, good morning. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here at The Grove. If you're new, really glad that you are here. We are wrapping up a series in 2 Timothy, where it's a letter for Paul's writing to this guy Timothy. He was a kind of a discouraged pastor that um, a lot of his friends and, and, and other people are just kind of abandoning the faith. And Paul's just trying to keep him encouraged. We've been doing this for the last few weeks, wrapping it up uh, today. Looking forward to it. Um, one of the advantages for me of having teenagers is that I get to keep up with, uh, you know, new music and, and, and new lingo and terms and things like this. So I can kind of know what's, what, what's going on. And there's a concept we've, uh, they, they shared with me several months ago that I think is really cool. I don't know how many people have heard of this, but it, it's, called, it's called subtweeting, right? And this idea is kind of a name. You've probably experienced it. You just maybe didn't have that name for it. But it's, um, it, it comes from the passive-aggressive social media posts where you, a person will put on Facebook something along the lines of, I just wish people knew that when they talk this way, they're hurting people. You're like, you, who, who, are you talk, who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? You're talking about somebody. Some people is somebody. Something happened with a particular person, and then rather than talking to them or sending them directly a message, you just talk about some people. And so that's subtweeting because, you know, when you want to talk to somebody directly, you put a little at and then their name, and then you're directly talking to them. Well, you're talking to them, but not really. It's called subtweeting. And so the, the proper angry response, which happens around our house, is at me next time. You know, the little at symbol, at me next time. So it happens... It happens in my. It happens in my. It happens in my house. Actually, it's actually happened with my sermon with my girls. I'm. I'm talking about something. Oh, especially if I'll say, you know, I I'll just like. I, I don't tell the whole story. I'll be like, you know, one of my daughters. Blah 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 blah. At me, dad. At me next time, dad. Or or I don't even have to mention a daughter. I'll just talk about a particular issue. Like I know you're talking about me, dad. Just at me next time. I'm like great, great, great. Here's. Here's my favorite. My favorite of the, of the subtweets is some people just need to, to, to learn to keep the drama to themselves. <laughs> At yourself, I guess, is what we're... Um... <laughs> and so this happens to me. This happens to me, not on social media. I don't, I don't do that. But it happens to me, like in this context, where I'm up here talking about you know, whatever passages we're talking about, whatever issue, and someone will feel particularly called out by it. And, um, you know, it happens in a fun way sometimes in the marriage and family series where somebody will come up to me he's like, man, I think you're just talking right at me. Like, it's like you have cameras in my home, ha, 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 But, you know, they, it's, it's a joke. But some people, like, like it's like a real accusation. Like, I, I know you were talking to me today. And, 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 the, and you know, the, the bad part of me wants to go, so what you think is, is that you are so important that I decided, well, I could give a sermon to everyone. But really, I'm just going to craft this entire message just to call you out. I, I don't say that. It's like, oh, of course not. I'm not talking. I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. But here's here's the thing: is that you know, it's happened. It happens in staff meetings sometimes, and I, I don't ever do that. I've I've never once. And I know that there are pastors who do it, and 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 it's and it's. I think it's awful. Um, I I would I would never never do that. I don't do it in staff meetings. I don't do it in any of these contexts. But here's the thing: when someone is speaking truth. And it's truth that is, is relevant to your life. It, it becomes personal. It's very personal. It's like, hey, you should stop doing X. And you're doing X. That's personal. And so here's the best way, I think, for us to kind of think about that is you, 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 should, you should never take it personally, but you should definitely make it personal. 
I want to make it personal. When I hear God's Word, when I'm reading it by myself, when I'm in a small group, I'm in this kind of context, man, I want to make it personal. This is, I want to make this about me, but at the same time not taking it personally, like I'm specifically being called out. But typically what we like to do, what we like to do though is just avoid the situation altogether. I would just rather not ever have to hear anything that's going to make me uncomfortable. You know, I, I would rather go somewhere and not ever be, or somebody's going to say something I don't want them to say. And so, one of the, the, the negative side effects of having such a rich diversity of churches in a community, and um, I, I love that, I think that is, a, always, is almost always a plus, to be able to use a lot of different styles of worship and teaching to reach a broad section of people. But one of the um, downsides of that is you really can. You can kind of craft an experience where you're only going to have to hear things you want to hear. So you can just go and try to say, this guy never says anything I don't want him to say. And so then I'll be okay here. And Paul actually predicts this. He predicts this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He predicts that there's going to be a time where this is going to happen. So I encourage you in whatever uh, book form, uh, app, whatever, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Kind of where we are as we're kind of wrapping up this letter. You know, again, Timothy's kind of discouraged. He, you know, I can just kind of imagine him. You know, God, he, he knows that God's called him continue to be a pastor and to take God's word to people, but he's scared, he's discouraged, he's overwhelmed. People are, are, are kind of persecuting him, putting him down. A lot of his, his peers are, are quitting and abandoning. Paul's in prison. It's just real discouraging, and Paul kind of starts off the whole thing. It's like a big pep rally. Come on, man, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Hang in there, keep fighting, keep running, keep going, keep going. And he starts talking about the reason why it's so urgency, man. Like, things are bad now, they're going to get worse, man. People are doing all sorts of terrible things, and they need somebody. They need somebody to help them, and, and that needs to be you. And then Mark talked about this last week, where it's like, man, you need to hold on to the word you need to hold on to the example that I showed you, and, and, you need, and you need to keep going. And this is kind of his last final charge of encouragement for Timothy to hang in there and, and not be discouraged. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So, man, I'm trying to... God, Jesus, and everybody, man, you got to hang in there. You've got to hang in there. Preach. Preach. Tell people about God. Tell people about Jesus Christ. You got to do it in season, out of season, all the time. You got to be careful, man. You want to be patient with people, but you want to correct them too. You need to do this. You need to hang in there. 
Man, 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 people need God's truth. They need to know about Jesus. And you have to do this. And you need to understand because there's going to come a time where people are just going to reject truth altogether. And rather than hearing people like you, Timothy, speak the truth, they're going to want to surround themselves with people. And this is what he says. Surround themselves with people that will say what their itching ears want to hear. Uh, 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 kind of a, another illustration to kind of explain this metaphor that other translations talk about is like they, they want to have their ears tickled. Just a little. <laughs> so you're not going to say anything bad, but I, I need to hear. I, I want to hear some good religious thoughts today. And so I'm going to come, I'm going to hear, and oh, that was just, oh, that was real nice. That was real pleasant. It just, mm, it was good. Mm, it was good. That was a good word today. Right? And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to hear truth. I just want someone to just tickle my ear a little bit. He says, and you've got to be careful about that. And so what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I've been thinking about this, obviously, with this passage. I was thinking about what, is it, what would it mean for us as a church to make sure we avoid being uh, the kind of church that, that, that is, you know, well, I want to do this. I, don't want, I, want to, I want to preach. I want to do the right thing. We speak truth. I don't want to tickle people's ears. How do we do that? So how do we avoid that as a church? But then also we're going to talk about how do we avoid being the kinds of people that want to have our ears tickled. So I'm thinking about this, kind of the, the, the primary way that most people kind of interpret this passage to say, what does it mean to tickle your ears? This is kind of thing, the very first time I studied it, and it's kind of what I understood, is, is to be the kind of church or the kind of group or the kind of people that want to say that things uh, that, that are sin are not sin. Oh, that's not, that's not really sin. The uh, Bible doesn't really mean that. that doesn't really, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really say that. And if it does, it doesn't matter anyway. In fact, sin's really not that big a deal. Yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a big deal, but sin's not, sin's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And, 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 we, and we talk about how much, how much God is loving and kind and accepting, and, and we just leave it there. And so then you walk away, no matter what sin or issue I'm personally struggling with, it's okay, because God's just like a big old teddy bear just giving out lovey hugs. Right? And it's just good, and you just feel good. It's like, oh, that was good. I feel better now, because I know that there's nothing in my life that's bad. I haven't done anything wrong, and the things that I have done wrong aren't really wrong. And, and if, even if they really are wrong, God doesn't care anyway. And I can go away just a little bit of, hmm. And so, that's how most people take this passage. And I think that's true. I think there are people that don't want their sin to be called out. And so I need someone to tell me that the thing in my heart that I know is destroying my life is either someone else's fault or isn't real. And so I want to go to a place where sin isn't real and that, and, that, and that someone will tell me and encourage me in that. So that's one way. Most people leave it there, though, because I, but I think, there, I, mean, I think there's lots of ways. I think another one in particular. Another way I think that people like to get their ears tickled, and, and it's in a church that I would say is the exact opposite of this one. And the exact opposite of this one, there is no sin, and, and you don't have to take anything in the Bible that says you don't like, you don't have to accept. And, and but then there's the opposite one. And the opposite one is the, is the yelling, red-faced, angry pastor. Right? And I've been thinking about this all week, about whether or not in this moment I was going to do an impersonation of the angry, red-faced pastor. 
<laughs> okay. No. No. I, I made the decision already. It's not, it's not a democracy. I don't know. I, if you come from one of those churches that gets to vote on things, but we don't vote on things around here. We're not having a congregational meeting about this. Here's the thing is that if I did it, it would be really good. And, and it would be all that you would remember. So we're just going to pass. We're going to pass. But what does that guy say? What does that guy say? He screams, he screams and yells and gets really angry about all the sins that they're doing out there and, and how the world's going to hell. And how those people out there with their God-hating agenda and, and they just go on and on and yelling and they, have, and they have categories of people that they blame for all of the world's problems. And here we are, the faithful. And you walk out of there and you feel pretty good about yourself because one, you got to listen to a pastor teach the truth. Man, he's got conviction. And he's not watering down the truth. And, 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 and you're not part of the group. And so since you aren't in those categories, you are a church attender, and you don't do the sins that those people do, you get to walk out of here with your pride and your self-righteousness still fully intact. Where all the problems in this world are external to me. And so as harsh and angry as it might seem, for the prideful, it's just another version of, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. The problem isn't me. Because the thing that we all want to avoid, the thing that we all want to avoid is for someone to come and say, really all of your problems are internal to you. You could leave and you would pack up all of your bags and all of your issues will come with you. It is your sin that is destroying your life. It is your sin that is wrecking relationships. It is you. You have, you have done this. And there are things in your life that you need to change. There are things that you're doing that you need to stop doing. And there are things that you are not doing that you need to start doing. And if you want to have real life and you want to have healthy relationships and you want to be the person that God designed you to be, the change is going to happen internally to you. No one wants to hear that. We want someone either to say, it's really, it's really not, everything's actually okay. Or, if it weren't for the world and all their blah, blah, blah and all the thing and the agenda and the rant and the scream and the yell, we, we're, the fa- we're, we're good. But we, want, but we don't want someone to say that the problem is us. We just, we just want to have our, 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 our ears tickled. And so the thing that we try to do, and most healthy churches do, is we try to pick a third, try to create some sort of, we'll call it a third way. Somewhere between these two extremes, where can we find a place where we can speak God's word to people? So we're just going to say it this way, that we want to be the kind of church and ultimately the kind of people that speak the truth but with compassion. We want to speak the truth with compassion. We don't want to be people who avoid truth. We don't want to be the kind of people that are going to allow you to come in here with the same bags that you brought in. That if you're struggling here with sin, and, and, or maybe worse, you're not struggling with sin, you're actively and enjoying and participating in said sin, that we want to be able to look at you and say, man, you, you need to stop that. That's not good. That's not healthy. 
Your sin offends God is wrecking you and, and destroying your relationships. You should totally stop. We want to speak that. We want to say it. But at the same time, we want to show love. We want to be safe. We want to be welcoming. That no matter what you bring in here with you, you will find compassion. You will find people who care. You will find people who want to help. We don't want anybody, again, we don't want anybody to feel that they got called out. But at the same time, I want everyone to feel that they got called out. And so we, we find ourselves, man, we, we, we struggle with this. You know, and, and we're not just talking about just a church here. Talk about in our own life. There are issues in your life, man, where you feel like that God is calling you to kind of speak into a situation. Or you see some manner of injustice or sin going on, let's just say in your extended family, that you feel like needs to be dealt with. And you struggle with these same extremes. And I'll just give you an example. You know, it's always, it's, you know, for those of you who are married, it's always your, your, your spouse's parents that's a problem, right? Your spouse's parents. So, so you say, hey, somebody needs to talk to your mom about blank. Somebody needs to. Somebody needs to, somebody needs to tell them. To tell them. Right? And then the other one's like, oh, well, you know, this, it's kind of always been like that. It's not that big a deal. It'll probably fix itself. It's not that big a deal. And, and no one is willing to kind of step into a situation and speak truth with compassion and say, hey, this thing that you're doing, it's, it's really hurting the family. It's hurting the kids. You need to stop. How, how, how can we help you? We either speak truth with no compassion or we bring compassion and no truth. And churches struggle with that. I struggle with that. And, 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 and you struggle with that. But we have, these are the kinds of people that God is calling us to be. And this is exactly what, what, what Paul says to Timothy. He says, man, you need to correct them. You need to rebuke them. But you also need to encourage them with great patience. That no matter what it, what it is you're bringing with you, no matter what bad things you've done in the past, what other bad things you're doing now, and what other bad things you have on your planner for tomorrow, man, we are going to be here to love you and encourage you, but we want to be the kind of people who are going to speak truth with compassion. And honestly, man, I just want to be honest. Just be honest. I know it's church and you're not supposed to be, but I'm going to be honest. Just say, I mean, this is a hard. This is hard. This is a hard job. This is a hard thing. This is come up here. It's like, man, I want to have some things I feel like that God wants to, wants to say to us. Hey, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I, I want, but I want to say it. This is the thing I think. I, I want to say a truth to them, but I want to say it to them in a way that they'll hear it. You say it too hard, people don't hear it. They just hear judgment. If you say it too soft, they don't hear anything at all. And then you think, man, when in a huge diverse crowd with different ages, different backgrounds, uh, you know, just different learning styles, all these different things. Man, people are going to hear different things. What, what feels too hard to one person is too soft to another. And so I'm just like, man, how do, you, how do you get around this? And so I'm just like, okay, here's the thing that I have to do. I'm just going to put the truth out there and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Right? It is the Holy Spirit's job... To bring conviction. 
It's my job, it's our job to hand truth to people. Now, I don't want to withhold truth. I want to give truth. I want to give it with compassion. But I don't have to feel like the angry, red-faced guy. That I have to bring the conviction with the anger. But I also don't want to be afraid. And this is the thing that we have to do. We have to do this as we're evaluating our own lives. We're thinking about it as we're interacting with our family, with our friends. As God is calling you to lead and to love and to encourage and serve people, we're going to have to be people who bring to speak truth with compassion. Because here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ, they call it the good news. It's the good news. And good news is only good news if there's bad news. Well, I don't even know what that means, dude. Give me an example. Let's just say you're a billionaire. Let's just take a little moment and enjoy that for a second. Pretend you're a billionaire. You get a bit, you're a billionaire, you get a letter in the mail. Say, congratulations, you won $100. Is that good news? Well, it's nothing. I, I, it might be worth responding to the letter. It's not worth my time. That's nothing. That's nothing. You know? How many people walk past pennies on the ground? It's free money. Free money lying right there. You're like, man, I just think It's not worth it. It's not worth the pain in my knee to reach down and get that penny. Old people, come on. Where am I at? Where are my old people at? Not worth it. Walk past it. So, so, but you, you don't have money for groceries. You win $100. Dude, that's great news. That's great news. I say Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you can have life. That's only good news if you recognize how bad the news was before. That my sin has wrecked my relationship with God, is wrecking me and wrecking my friends, and and I am separated from God without Him. But Jesus died for you so that you could have life. That's great news. I mean, all the metaphors, all the verbs that are used to kind of describe. I mean, He talks about being saved. I mean, dying people get saved. Slaves get redeemed. Criminals get mercy. These are the words that we use that are used to describe what God's done. And so in order for us to really understand the good news, we have to recognize the real situation of the bad news. But so if it's good news without bad news, we're not helping people. And we're not certainly not helping people with just bad news. You're a sinner. Amen. That's not help nobody. But if we can speak the truth with compassion... We can bring life to people. And so that's what it means for us as a church and, again, as us individually, to be the kind of... We don't want to be a place that's tickling ears. But what does it mean to not be an ear tickler? To, to want to be someone who, who, who has their... To, to not be that kind of person. So we want to speak the truth with compassion, but here's the other thing that we want to do. We want to receive truth, receive truth with grace. So when truth is given to me, whether, again, whether I'm just by myself reading God's Word, I'm talking to a friend, I'm doing a small group study, I'm here on Sunday morning, and I hear truth, I need to take it. Can't reject it, I need to take it. Even if it's something that I don't want to hear, even if it's something that I don't want to be true, I need to take it. I can't just reject it. Now, again, there's always a chance that you hear something and you read something where somebody comes up to you and they say something and the thing that they're saying is not true. Or, or, or maybe you're misunderstanding it. But that's why it's important we don't do this by ourselves. We need to talk to people. So you receive something that's a hard truth. 
You need to receive it, but then you need to talk about it. Make sure that you're really understanding. Interact with people. Talk about it. Don't reject it. you got to take it. i got to receive it, and I, I want to talk about it. And then once I really understand, man, I, I need to believe it. And if that requires a change of perspective or a change of attitude or a change of behavior on my part, then, then, then I'm going to do it. That's what it means to receive truth. I'm not going to reject it, but I need to receive it with grace. And let me tell you what I mean by that. What I mean by that is there's a couple of reasons why I think that we reject hard truths. We reject hard truths because anytime we hear someone say something that you're doing that's bad. Hey, that thing you're doing, it's bad. That thing you're doing, it's wrong. Let's just say I were to say that to you right now. Dude, that thing that you're doing, it's wrong. It's wrong. You have to stop. Okay? What do we feel in that moment? Well, we feel shame. We feel unloved. We feel devalued. You think there's something wrong with me, that you think that I'm broken. You think that you don't care. You don't love me. Uh, You must think I'm not valuable because my value is found in you thinking I'm perfect. My value is found in God thinking I'm perfect. My my, my, My life, my value is determined by how the most number of people that I can get to believe that the realities that are going on in my heart aren't true. And so I feel all this shame. And so the best thing to do is to keep the truth out there. I have to protect this wall because I don't want anybody to know or find out what's really going on in me because I feel this shame and devalued. But even if, even if the truth penetrates that wall, like I, I know, I know I shouldn't be doing that. I know I need to start doing that, but I can't. This is how I am. I've been like this forever. This is hopeless. It's hopeless. There's, there's nothing I can do about it. And so you just give up. But here's the thing. When you receive truth with grace, what that means is you want to receive that truth the way God intended to give it to you. Jesus Christ sacrificed. He already sacrificed His life so He could forgive you of that thing that you feel so much shame about. So He is handing it to you with compassion and love and grace. He wasn't caught off guard. He's not confused. He has already extended grace and forgiveness for the thing that you're so worked up about that you're afraid to kind of let truth get in. And and the hopelessness, we got to give that up. Because that same God who sacrificed His Son for forgiveness for you is the same God who brought that dead dude back to life. And if He can do that, He can do whatever it is that you feel like you can't get out of. So I, don't, I, don't, I can't say this for sure, not having any supernatural powers myself. But I would imagine on the list of things that are hard, uh, bringing somebody back from the dead is probably number one. Bringing new life to you and healing you, he's got that one. So the same God that's already offering you forgiveness and already sacrificed himself to forgive you and to give you life, you don't have to feel the shame. And the God who has the power to raise from the dead can overcome whatever it is situation in your life that you think is hopeless. So I'm, I'm in, that, in that regard, give me all the truth I can. 
Give me all the truth I can. If that's where life is, life is taking God's truth and applying it, and the life that I want to have for me, for my family, for the world, for God is found in receiving and believing and following God's truth. I want it all the more because there is no shame. There is no hopelessness. There is only hope and life and grace and mercy. And that's what I need. And that's what I want. And then what does Paul say at the end? He says, and what is waiting for me is a crown. At the end of this, not just a renewed, restored relationship with God now, but an eternal reward with Him forever, if we will persevere. I'm going to continue to accept God's truth. So again, a situation like this, again, there's just a wide diversity of people. I'm telling you, man, we're all processing this very differently. Some of us are processing it in terms of some sticky situations that we've avoided at work or with our family and that we need to be people who are speaking truth better. Some of us are really wrestling with some hard truths right now about our own life, about whether or not I'm really going to let a particular truth of God really sink in in my heart. I've built up these habits so long to keep these things out. Man, how how can I get this in? How can I believe in the compassion? Also believe in the truth and not give in to hopelessness. So let's just respond in worship. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit's doing in your life right now, man, just take it. Process it. Man, just see what God God wants to do. So you can do that as you worship. You can pray in the back. There's prayer candles. The prayer team will be back there. You can pray at the cross. Communion's available. You don't have to be a member just a follower of Jesus Christ. You can do that in the back. Opportunities to give. But let's just, let's give God his moment where we can both speak and receive his truth in the way that he's called us. Let's pray.